Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it is an amazing day to be here with you. And when I'm saying amazing, it's just good to be alive. The weather's nice. New York is nice. I had the opportunity to go to the Michael Jackson party yesterday with Spike Lee did that joint in Brooklyn on Do the Right Thing Way. And it was a great experience. Always thankful and humble to be here, to be alive and be with you. Before we move on and bring in this amazing guest, I think I got to tell you two things. Number one, I want to shout out my good friend, Tamika Green, and wish her a very, very happy birthday. So, Meek Green, happy birthday. I told you I was going to do that. So, that happened. And then also Create Your Life Family, I want to remind you to go ahead and sign up on the website at CYL Series if you want the book that I wrote on Beyonce's dad, the 10 success secrets that I learned while interviewing Beyonce's dad. I think that that would be something, as a matter of fact, I know that that would be something that really helps you to move forward and create your life. And now, without further ado, let's talk about this guest. This gentleman is a social entrepreneur, content curator, and founder of The Lives of Men. He's an integrated media and lifestyle brand that chronicles stories and the diverse interests of men of color. Born to a first-generation Dominican mother and raised in the Bronx, New York, so we got a native in the house, he was taught the importance of hard work, sacrifice, resolve, and faith at an early age, all of which serve as guiding principles of his life's journey. Witnessing firsthand the social, political norms that disproportionately affect disadvantaged communities of color, he has dedicated his work to increasing the flow of opportunity to young men of color. Prior to launching The Lives of Men, he earned his MBA from NYU's Leonard N. Stern School of Business and Development and developed his global business acumen working with leading financial services firms such as UBS, Douche Bank, and CBRE. Through his international career, he has demonstrated his impact as a leader, strategic thinker, and collaborative partner as a part of cross-functional teams. His work sits at the intersection of masculinity, identity, and self-actualization. Now, you know that just lines up with the Create Your Life series right now. And he has been featured in various media outlets, including The Grill, Huff Post, Black Voices, Now This, Netflix, Fox 5 News, Hot 97. He's a sought-after motivational speaker and has delivered keynote speeches at HBO's Hispanic Heritage Month, Disrupt HR, as well as various colleges and universities throughout the tri-state area. As an approved vendor, Through the Department of Education, he has crafted a curriculum focused on developing healthy masculinity frameworks with young men in New York City high schools. And through his work with the lives of men, he aims to inspire, activate and nurture the development of well-rounded men. And before I even say his name, Create Your Life Family, I want you all to be reminded that you requested this gentleman to come on. And when I did my research, I said, yeah, he has the stamp. So shout out to you all for bringing him to our attention and us having him on. So I'm talking about none other than Mr. Jason Rosario. Yes. Thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate the opportunity. And it's 
weird to hear that bio read out loud just because, right. you know, you write it, but you never stop to smell the flowers, mm -hmm. you know, and, and all the things that you've done and accomplished. And, you know, so to kind of hear it laid out that way is always a humbling thing. Absolutely. So, Jay, man, I want to jump right in. Absolutely. Like, tell us about your experience growing up in the Bronx, because you're a native, man. Yeah. And I feel like the more and more people that move to New York, it's like hard to come by y'all. Yeah, yeah. Talk absolutely. about it, man. I mean, nine out of 10 people or eight out of 10 people you meet are most likely transplants in some way, shape or form. Okay. But yeah, I grew up between the Bronx and Washington Heights, like most Dominican families, we kind of traverse those two landscapes and raised by a single mom, oldest of seven kids. I have two sisters on my dad's side, but oldest of five on my mom's. And, you know, very much grew up really, really quickly in terms of having to develop as provider really early on, just to be able to help her and be able to help raise my younger siblings. But growing up in the Bronx, I would trade it for the world, man, it was everything that you would imagine, right? It was beautiful and it was hard and it was a struggle all in one. I think anyone that comes from the inner city can relate to that. So you said you had to learn and start providing earlier on. What were some of your methods in going about doing that? Yeah, I got my first job when I was 14 years old. So okay. as soon as I got my working papers, I went right to the, I think it was the Children's Aid Society at the time and got my first job you know, mm -hmm. working with school kids. And that scenario, that circumstance was really just, hey, you know, your mom is working and you are of age at this point and you need to contribute. So I got a job and, you know, while in high school, my first job actually was at the New York Public Library on Fifth Avenue on mm. 42nd Street. And this is one of those things where- The one with the lions. The ones with the lions. Okay, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, no, ironic, times. right? Because I look back and I'm a Leo, right? And everything about oh, wow. me is a lion and, and all that. So I just think about the synchronicity of all that. But, you know, just working through that and having to experience that, it was just like, man, you start to learn about yourself really, really quickly and about responsibility and hard work and, and all the things that you read about in the- in the bio. So how did that shape you and moving forward and deciding, you know, like definitely saw that you had your MBA. Where did mm -hmm. you go to undergrad at? Yep. And when you went to college, you're the oldest. So you're setting an example for your younger absolutely. siblings. I'm assuming that you were kind of like the dad or the, yeah, the father absolutely. figure there, yeah. man. How did being at work, your mom's at work and things like that, how did that all shape you, especially when you went to college? And I just became self-sufficient at a relatively younger age than maybe some of my peers. Because my mom would work 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. shift, when my sister and I would come home, I would be either cooking dinner, washing our clothes, making sure that we did our homework and preparing ourselves for the next day. So when I got to college, I went to the State University of New York at Buffalo, college okay. at Buffalo. So, so shout out to Buff State. Yeah, so I went there and again, very self-sufficient. I knew how to cook. I knew how to wash my clothes or some of my friends didn't know that you had to separate your whites from your colors. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I kind of knew that already. But yeah, just more importantly, though, the maturity level that it instills in you, the level of discipline that you have to have to be able to move in spaces where you don't have the basic comforts of home. That's what all that experience at a young age taught me. Okay. And when you went away to school, did your sister follow suit and she went as well? Like, No, no. My sister and I took slightly different paths. She didn't go to college. Right. So I went away and she's a sister that follows me is three years my junior. Okay. So she was still in high school when I went off to college. Mm -hmm. And so when I left, she stayed behind and she graduated from high school but didn't go to college. And so it was just kind of setting an example for the three younger ones that follow her. Right. And not just them, but my entire family. I have a ton of cousins that I'm the oldest everything, not just oldest wow. son. Yeah. So setting an example for them, I always took that very, very seriously. 
in terms of the way I acted and what I did, the decisions that I made and how that would reflect mm -hmm. on my mom, number one, but also on myself and then my broader family. Okay, yeah. cool. So you went to school at Buff State. Yeah. Then you went on to NYU. No, actually. So I graduated in 2001 and graduated in May of 01. You had September 11th happen that same year. Absolutely. And then two months later, I had a daughter. Oh, congrats. Yeah. So I was, thank you. So I was a dad at a very young age. So 21 years old, coming mm -hmm. out of college, again, now having to, if you thought that at 14, 15 years old, I had to grow up quick. Yeah. At 21, having a daughter, think about what that does, right? Wow. But yeah. you, you had some of the skill set, though. You know how to cook. You yeah. Know to, you know. <laughs> right, right. You know, you know how to separate the clothes. Yeah. But nah, I'm sure there's a lot more. Yeah, no, of, of course. But I think having to grow up even faster at that point, and I was grateful in that I had a job. And so I was on my way in terms of my career. But no, I didn't go right into graduate school. So okay. I worked for a long time and crafted a pretty successful career in finance until the point in time where I decided to because I decided to go back to business school in 2013. Mm -hmm. So I built a career for you know, 11, 12 years without right. having gone back. So I went back in 2013 to get my MBA for a lot of reasons, which we can get into. But really just I was like, man, the time is now. So why not? What sparked you to do that? And before you even answer that, what were some of the major challenges that you took on or that impacted you being a, such a young father? Yeah. You know, I think it's just difficult just because I didn't have my dad growing up and I had very few. And when I say very few, I'll say one, maybe two positive male role models in my mm -hmm. life that were consistent. And my uncle being one of them, shout to Pablo if he's listening. But what that taught me was that it was interesting because- mm -hmm. What you learn about yourself is through those experiences is not what you're going to learn in any academics, right? And so not having a father figure and having to prepare to be a father is hard because it was trial and error, trial by fire. Mm -hmm. So I made a lot of mistakes and I will continue to make a lot of mistakes, but it was probably one of the most rewarding experiences. Oh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So what it made you go to business school then? Two reasons. One is education is something no one can ever take away from you, right? Full stop. And I think I'm always a proponent of education in whatever way, shape, or form. It doesn't have to be business school. It can be a certificate degree or what have mm -hmm. you. But that's one thing that no one can ever take away from you. And I think we live in a time where if you work in certain industries, your job is here today and gone tomorrow. Right. So, so, so much AI. Absolutely. Right. And mm -hmm. technology is taking over. Right. So how can you build an artificial floor, but a floor nonetheless on your career? And that's education. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason. And then the other reason was more personal. It was just like, look, I have a daughter. And if I'm asking her to do certain things and pursue education with the vigor that I'm trying to push her to, then I wanted to show her that at whatever age I was, dad could do it, too. And so there's no excuses for you. So it was that dual motivation that I take because it, it had nothing to do with my career. Because like I said, my career at that point was very successful, mm -hmm. you know, so it wasn't like I needed to kind of break a ceiling, if you will. And so that's why I went to business school. It wasn't that at all. OK. And so you worked in the corporate finance yeah. industry for a bit. And about how long ago was it that you decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to jump out here and jump into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and what prompted that decision, man? Because yeah. that's tough, you that's know, having a that one. nice corporate salary. Yeah. You know, you're a father and then the saying, benefits. hey, you know what? I'm out. Right. Right. And I think before I even answer that question, Kev, I'll say that my answer to that question should motivate those that don't have. If you're thinking about this, if you're mm -hmm. thinking about 
I got to leave my job. I want to start. I want to get on the, the path of my passion and my goals. Let my story be motivation for you doing just that today. So the question has two answers. One is me kind of staying in tune to my lived experience throughout my life and always being aware of what I was going through, why I was going through it and drawing lessons from those experiences was what kind of always kept me in tune to who I wanted to be, right? And knowing that I knew I had a bigger purpose and that purpose was always to be in service to others in one way, shape or form. So that's the more esoteric answer. But the realest answer and more pragmatic answer is that I, it literally came down to one day, something out of a movie where, again, I was very successful in my career. I was on a two-year contract that was ending and I had another offer to stay on board. And mm -hmm. my boss was like, here's the offer. You know what it comes with. It comes with more time in the office, more hard work, et cetera. No guarantees, but, you know, it's on there if you want it. So I was like, man, I came home. I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I'll take the offer, save some money for six more months, and then leave, right? Because at that point, I had already started working on the lives of men, and I planned on launching it. So I came home. I talked to my lady. I talked to my family. And they were like, do what makes you happy. I went back to work the next day and I was literally sick, like physically sick. I was nauseous. I couldn't focus. And I finally was just like, nah, I can't do this. And I told my boss, I was like, I'm not going to take the deal. And yeah. And it was just like, literally that was on a Wednesdays when he presented me the offer Thursday, I came back and I was like, I can't do it. Friday was my last day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was literally that, like, it sounds out of a movie, but that's exactly how it went down. And it was the most scary time in my life, but the most empowering decision I've ever made. I like that because in your work, you talk about being authentic, yeah. right? And being your authentic self. In that moment, you couldn't have been any realer. And Absolutely. your body and the signs were right there saying, hey, man, this is not going to work for right. us. Right. Talk about listening to your gut. Right. Yeah. And listen, your body will tell you. Yeah. Man. I think that that's cool. So on your journey, and how long have you been an entrepreneur now? For so time? I want to say it's going to be two years this January. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in this two years... Who's been that person or those people behind you? I know I saw a picture on your social media, on your Instagram, where about five different ladies mm -hmm. who you said, these women push me. Yep. So who are these women or these people who push you and have had your back and supported you? And how do you make sure that you nurture them? Yeah. They're nurturing you. Man, that's a great question. And I'm grateful that you asked that question because a lot of times the people behind the scenes don't get credit that they deserve. So those five women that I posted are just five of the seven women. And there's no coincidence that they're all women in my life. And I'll explain that later. But, you know, my mom, number one, every event, she's there. She is the most supportive individual in my life, hands down. So my mom, then my lady, shout out to Andrea, if you're listening, she made it all possible. 2017 would not have happened had I not had her to have my back. Right. So when I came home and I said, hey, I think I want to leave my job. She wasn't like, the first question wasn't, why or are you crazy? What are you doing? It was like, what do you need? Wow. It's like, what do you need? That's powerful. And we got this, mm -hmm. right? And so I was like, oh, really? Is that how it is? So then we off to the races, right? So her, obviously my daughter, different motivation in the sense that, you know, she's constantly challenging me, whether she realizes it or not, to live up to who I want to be as a father. My sisters are incredible. I have my sister, Jericho, who follows me, is in Florida. She's so supportive, even if I don't see her on a daily basis. And then two of my younger sister, Barbara and Franchelle, who are just incredibly supportive. And then my younger brother is kind of coming into his own. 
but he's super supportive. Anytime I need to talk to him, he's there. So this is my tribe. I'm leaving a lot of people out that are also part of that tribe, but these are the people that see me at my lowest lows and my highest highs. And so they should be recognized for the credit that they deserve. How do you manage not letting your lowest lows or your highest highs get the best of you? Yeah. Wow. I wanted to answer another part of your question. And that was, and if we can come oh, back to this piece, nurture? how do I nurture them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do I nurture them? It's just giving them their time, giving them their space. When it's their time, it's their time. But I need to turn my phone off. And I'm literally, I mean, as an entrepreneur, anyone that is trying to follow this path will also agree in that you're always on 24 hours a day, seven days of the week. You're always on your phone, emails, whatever. Work doesn't stop. So, but you have to make it a point to turn the phone off put the laptop down and give those people your time. So that's how I nurture them. And then your last question was, how do you make sure that your highest highs and your lowest lows don't get the best of you staying grounded? Man, that's, I'm not good at that at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you were to ask me some of my weaknesses, I would say that's probably up there in the top three in mm-hmm. terms of staying even keeled. I'm a very passionate individual. Yep. I can relate. Right. I'm a very passionate individual. Mm-hmm. So I go hard and I love hard but mm-hmm. also hurt hard. Right. And that's something that I've learned about myself in the last few years. So I try to keep people around me that are going to remind me that I am worthy just because Absolutely. I exist, right? Like mm-hmm. my lived experience alone is what makes me enough. And so keeping people around me to remind me of that on a daily basis is what allows me not to get in, not to feel myself too much, but also not to get down on myself to the point where it's just like I'm depressed and I'm in a dark cloud. So it's just trying to stay even keel. Yeah. I mean, something that me and my my friends, we talk about often is we have success amnesia. Sometimes we Mm. forget how far we've come in the great strides that we have made. So as you said, you know, having this support group, your tribe around you to remind you, hey, man, you know what? You're doing great. You got to stop and smell the flowers from time to time. Absolutely. And that makes a huge, huge difference. So now you're you're running your company, The Lives of Men. What exactly does Lives of Men do? Yeah. Well, The Lives of Men is an integrated media and lifestyle company. And Mm -hmm. when I say integrated, I mean, we've got content studio, right? So we create content that chronicles the stories and the diverse interests of men, right? And those conversations are mostly revolving around identity, right? Examining spaces that we show up in, both personal and professionally. They revolve around self-actualization. So how are you your best self? How can you be your best self inside of those spaces that you're navigating? And then all kind of tackling masculinity, right? The social construct of masculinity and how all of that is affected by that, right? So it sits at the intersection of those three things. And I say integrated in that we have the content, we have events, and then we also do some consulting as well. Okay, awesome. So one of the big things that you guys cover is masculinity. Yeah. What was that defining moment that made you say, hey, you know what? I am going to, this is something that needs to be addressed. This is something that I feel like I need to address, that I have mm-hmm. to, et cetera, et cetera. There was no one defining moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. Or what again, were some of your experiences? Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of my experiences for sure. But again, when we talk about stopping and, and making sure that you're smelling the roses along the way, there are many different moments that kind of amalgamate it to kind of just helping me realize that this is what I wanted to do. So I'd say that some of my experiences were one, obviously growing up inside of a single parent home, number one is, you know, I don't subscribe to the notion that men, women can't teach men how to be men. I think that's an incomplete statement. 
It's okay. a fallacy in the sense that if we're asking men to be more vulnerable and more in touch with their emotions, then that's something that women are uniquely positioned and prepared to be able to teach us. Gotcha. Right. But I do agree that there are things that we need to observe from other men. That is where my mind lies yeah. in that. But I think yeah. that being in touch with your emotions, yeah. allowing yourself to cry, you know, I think that one of the big things that I had and I was having this conversation yesterday mm -hmm. is that I feel like people have different go to emotions. And so therefore, if someone's go to emotion is crying, whether it's in joy mm -hmm. in a time of strife, et cetera, you know what I mean? I think that that's safe if that's your go to emotion. But I think if you're exhibiting behavior that does not serve you, then you might need to make some shifts. So, yeah, no, I think, and, and that's a great point because I think really what it's about is knowing yourself and knowing what your outlets are mm -hmm. and how you emote. And I think most important thing, that's why I started that the answer to your question that way, because mm -hmm. one of the things that masculinity or patriarchy teaches us, unfortunately, both men and women, is that we can't emote as men, right? That we're not allowed to. And then if we do, then we're less than, right? Mm -hmm. Or we're told to man up or, you know, all these things. And so I think as we start to gain more control around, as men, how we interact and access our feelings and our thoughts and our emotions and then express them in much more fruitful ways, then we need to examine what our go-to emotion is. Unfortunately, though, for a lot of men, the go-to emotion is anger, which leads to aggression. Anger alone is not a bad thing. Right. When you look at it on the surface, it's but anger plus aggression is what's dangerous. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what leads to the violence. So if anger is your go to emotion, think about that, analyze that and then see how you can use that. But crying is your go to emotion as well. There's nothing wrong with those things as long as you can identify what that is and what works for you. What do you feel like are some of the biggest myths that exist around masculinity? The biggest myths are that I think we talked about it, that men can't emote, we're not allowed to, that we can't feel. And I think if I were to tell you that men, particularly some men of color, myself included, are the most sensitive species on the planet, and I don't mean sensitive in any pejorative way, right? It's mm -hmm. sensitive in the sense that we're in tune with ourselves, right? If I were to tell you that, then you'd be surprised we're that way. So no, I think I that's a huge myth is that black men are tough and they're hard and that there's just no getting to them emotionally. And that's the furthest from the truth. It's just that a lot of us don't have the language to be able to articulate what it is that we're feeling. And so we default to the things that we've been taught through patriarchy and, and machismo and all of those things. That's so real. And I can personally speak to, I used to date a young lady years ago. And then we recently like just became friends and our dialogue is so much different. Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, you know what? you can just express yourself and you're so much more talkative than you used to be. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I would just be quiet. And now in our dialogue, it's a lot of talking and or it's a lot more talking and the conversation goes ever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. And it's just because I know how to use my words. You know, it was that evolution of yeah. mind and understanding going out and seeking, hey, how can I positively or how can I be more vocal about what's going on with me instead of, getting upset or looking at things, sometimes glass not full mm -hmm. or half empty and mm -hmm. full and things like that. So it definitely takes a understanding and an evolution. And I think that sometimes those feelings and expressions you do need to see in other men. Yeah. And I think that there are generations that were not allowed to be so free. Yeah. I think that there's always that person who's the exception to the rule. Mm -hmm. But if you're not like literally underneath that person, 
then you don't get to see that yeah. and be able to uh, exemplify it. You touched on something that I want to briefly just for 10 seconds touch on, mm -hmm. and that is the generational trauma that has led to that. When you think about, I know that as people of color, our history doesn't begin with slavery, but we'll begin there for this particular example. When you look at slavery and what black men had to deal with at that time, you know, instances in which their wives, their daughters, their mothers were raped and beaten, they couldn't react to those things, right? Those weren't things that we could show emotion on because then we would be the ones beaten and flogged Absolutely. and all that. So there's this post-traumatic stress that we've internalized that you can't say that that doesn't affect us to this day, right? Mm -hmm. the swallowing our feelings and all of that stuff. So I think that's a lot of that comes from that. Okay. Awesome. Well, Create Your Life family, what we're going to do is we're going to cut to a quick musical break. But I want to remind you that you can call in and talk to Jason yourself. Ask him some questions about his entrepreneur journey. Ask him some questions about masculinity and what he's doing in order to help out the community. So call in 212-650-6903. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Laundry, a podcast editing service that gives podcasters more time to be creative by handling the dirty work of editing and all of the behind the scenes work that podcasters hate. If you're a podcaster, check out our services and purchase a package today. Spend more time doing what you love and let Podcast Laundry do the dirty work for you. Visit PodcastLaundry.com for more information. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Wyatt Brown, and we are here in the studio with Mr. Jason Rosario. What's up? What's up, y'all? And he is giving us the game, man, about positive masculinity and living out loud and being positive and following your dreams. Jason, before we left, man, we were talking about how to positively express yourself and understanding what your go-to emotions are. Yeah. One of my questions is, you are living out loud, you know, with your significant other on social media, showing pictures of vacay and things like that. How, for you, do you go about checking yourself in the event that you exercise unhealthy masculinity or have you completely rid yourself of that? Yeah. Well, I think that's the beauty of the work, right? Is that you're going to be, the work itself will make sure that you are living in integrity, right? And what I mean by that is unlearning a lot of the behaviors that we've been taught, right? Mm -hmm. And that things that I kind of was learned actively and then learned kind of just by default, all of that stuff is hard work. And it's a daily thing to make sure that I'm living in integrity with that particular work. And that's not to say that I'm perfect. I make mistakes every day. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just about open communication and dialogue with my partner, open dialogue with myself, whether it's talking to myself in the shower or whatever, like mm -hmm. coaching myself. I think it's important. So, no, I don't have it all figured out. And I think that's one of the reasons why one of our hashtags with the brand is walk with us. Right. Because this is I'm learning just as much as I'm teaching. Right. And I don't like refer to myself as a teacher or as a guru or anything like that. But I just want to make sure that people understand that. The work itself, everything that I'm putting out is for selfishly for myself first, learning and giving myself the medicine that I wish I had years ago that would have prevented a lot of heartbreak for myself and for other people. And mm -hmm. so really just learning through that process. So as a man of color, how are men of color, right? Because we both are. Uh, how can we align ourselves with positive masculinity and healthier lifestyles from a mental, physical, et cetera, perspective? I think it's just seeking that out. You have to want to. So Bell Hooks wrote a book called The Will to Change. And mm -hmm. I'll borrow from that title for a minute. You have to want to just live differently and, mm -hmm. and want different things and different outcomes in your life. So if you start to see patterns occur in your life, then you have to examine that. Surround yourself with 
other brothers that are on that path as well and keep each other accountable. You know, read. There's a lot of stuff out there that you can read on things that I've learned a lot about myself just through the books that I've read around this topic. Just being able to reference and place, okay, this is why I did X, Y, and Z. So those things help. But yeah, I think the most important thing, though, is to be inquisitive of yourself, your behavior patterns, your thought patterns, and then be willing to sit with that and examine that. Yeah, absolutely. That open honesty with yourself is going to make a huge difference. Yeah. I actually am reading a book called In Touch, and it's been an amazing experience. It's such a book that I can relate to that I literally have to read it in like 15 minute period. So it's mm-hmm. a part of my daily routine is to read at least 15 minutes every single morning. And I read this, but I don't get through, I'm not flying through the pages because I'm actually absorbing. internalizing yet yeah, and really absorbing it. And it has helped me to realize some things about myself that are from past trauma and patterns and things like that. So the evolution has really been coming. And you know, you're talking about doing the work, man. A mm-hmm. lot of times we try to avoid doing the work, yeah. but that lesson is going to continue to come through right. no matter what. Right. And so we might as well just face it. And I think that that's super important. And I think that's what holds us back, right? Is, you know, what you resist persists. And when you, I mean, my body told me there was something wrong when I was about to quit my job. Your body and your circumstances, mm-hmm. both internally and outwardly, are going to tell you, yo, you live your life not the right way. Right, right, right. Right. So you need to listen to those things and then choose to act on that. And that's, I think, what sets those men who graduate to this level of masculinity and self-actualization, that they become the men that they've envisioned themselves being is because they've decided to take that journey. Whereas other men have chosen to numb themselves to whatever might come up on that journey, right? Either through women, through drugs, through the pursuit of money and material things. Those are just different ways that you numb yourself to that. Or dodge the challenge. Or dodge it. Yeah. And I love how you put it because it is very much a challenge. And I think that what truest characteristics of men is, you know, always being motivated by a challenge, either internally or externally. Mm -hmm. But this is the one challenge that we should all willingly undertake. Now, one thing that I want to highlight is I think that we all have the idea of masculinity as an opinion, right? So I think that even as we're sitting here having this dialogue, we are obviously connecting on different levels and think in alignment. But I want to say for those that are out there, Create Your Life family, if you feel differently about masculinity or it registers differently with you, then that's okay. And that you can live within your world and in your realm and, you know, safely. Right. And I think that it's just important to really identify what is working for you and what's not. Yeah. And be able to make those changes. And I think that it's those changes in understanding what your purpose is that's really going to make you yeah. and help you to be able to move forward. And just remember that masculinity is just something that we're taught to perform. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's different from gender and all that stuff. That's a different conversation. Right. And so, Jason, for you, what do you feel like was one of the biggest personal challenges that you needed to overcome in order to become the man that you are today? Man, it's funny because for the last month, I keep a journal. And for Mm -hmm. the last month, I've been writing, try to get to the root of that. And I think I'm getting close. And I think what I've realized that the biggest challenge I've ever had to face was not living and not subscribing to the notions of what other people think my life should be. Like that. Not believing the stories that have been crafted around me and choosing to believe those and believing less in the story that I myself am crafting for myself on a daily basis. And so now I know that entrepreneurship comes with its challenges. Yeah. How do you stay motivated? 
this again, if you're doing something that you love to do and you, if you are feeling aligned in your purpose and there's that's motivation in and of itself, in my opinion. Does it go any deeper? Because for me, I'm doing what I love to do. But there are some days where I look in the mirror and yeah. I say, you know, you're crazy. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely know you're crazy. Yeah. But, you know, I was telling you offline, right, is mm -hmm. when people want to hear from you. And I was telling you earlier, I think what the work itself, right? I didn't leave my job to pursue entrepreneurship because I'm launching a clothing brand. Right? right. And I'm not saying that that's any less. I'm out here trying to change the world in my own way, but I'm trying to change the world and I'm trying to change the world by packaging my lived experience in a way that other people can draw inspiration from. And that's a very scary thing, because when people if it's a social media post, if people don't like it or it doesn't go viral, I take that very personally. Right. Because it's almost like an indictment. It's an indictment on my lived experience. Is it worthy to somebody mm -hmm. out there? And I got to remind myself that that's not the case, but that's how Absolutely. it feels sometimes. So, you know, what motivates me is, you know, conversations like the one we're having right now mm -hmm. is when people want to hear about that journey, when they want to embrace me in that regard, whether people have met me or not. I think that's the most humbling thing, because it's what it teaches me is that it's resonating with at least one other person out there. Love it. You have obviously, you've been growing your brand. You've been doing these different presentations at these different companies and things like that. What have been some of your secrets to personal branding and expanding the reach of the lives of men and yourself? Is that everything is, and I hate this, right? Because everybody's a brand nowadays, right? Like everybody's it's like true. this brand, I got that brand. But really that's, it's a true statement. When you look at your reputation, your reputation, you can, is Precedes synonymous you. to your brand. So that precedes you. So when you show up in a space and you look a certain way and you speak a certain way, you behave a certain way, then that's going to be attributed to your brand. So I think tip number one is be mindful of how you show up in spaces, yeah. whether it's how you're dressed, how you behave. For example, if you say that you're going to do something, do it. Right. Be a man or a woman of your word. So all of those things are brand building tips. And notice I haven't said anything about logos and color schemes and taglines. I mean, that's the least of it. It's really about how you show up because people are buying you first and foremost before mm -hmm. they're buying your quote unquote brand. Got it. Love it. All right. Well, Jason, we reached that point in the uh, Oh man, is it over? No, nah, it's not over. Oh, okay. But the real like, question man, is. It went quick. Hey, it, it goes, man. <laughs> with good people, you know, good conversation. Thank you. Can you swim? I can't swim, bro. Well, we're going to throw you a lifeline oh, right now man. because we're about to jump into the dolphin tank, man. Oh, let's, let's get it going. All right. You <laughs> sure you're ready for this? Yeah, man. I'm going to have to learn how to tread water really quick. Okay. We got <laughs> you. We got you. What are your goal setting methods and how do you make sure that you're growing every year? I set yearly goals and then I break those down to quarterly goals and then all the way down to weekly goals. Okay. Well, monthly and then weekly. And how do you track them? I have, it's a plug. I'm not getting paid by these folks by any means, but it's, a, it's called a passion planner. A passion planner is this planner that is set up in the way I just described. Okay. So you start off, I think it's page one or page two, start off with this big idea. What do you want to mm -hmm, accomplish? Mm -hmm. And then the way it's set up throughout the rest of the pages is there's a, a quarterly thing that you have to fill out. Then each week is broken out literally all throughout the year. So that's how I- Is it know, digital or? No, no. Well, I wish it was digital. I think it, it'd be great, but no, it's written. Uh -huh. And actually, I love the written form. I love writing things down, but- that's how one way that I keep my goals kind of top mind. I also speak them, right? Mm, I, tell, I tell people, well, affirmation, but I also tell people what my goals are mm -hmm. so that they hold me accountable, right? So Absolutely. like next time I see my boy, he's like, yo, did you do X, Y, and Z thing? I'm like, yo, I didn't do it. 
He's like, well, what are you talking about? Right? So if you have the right people around you, so those are the two things. Okay. Top tech that you're using to make your business run smoothly. Top tech, man. I wish it was one thing that just, I press go. Instagram, of course. But no, no, in terms of organization, you mean? Yeah. Evernote is really good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Favorite quote or model that you live by? Favorite quote or model, man. I'm going to give you the one that just comes to mind now is that when you really want something, the universal conspires to help you achieve it. And that's, I mean, I can give you 20 more, but that's really it. That's it? Okay. Yeah. Favorite or most impactful book that you've read had the biggest impact on you? You can give us a couple. Think and Grow Rich. Have you read uh, A Black Choice by Dennis Kimbrough? I have not. All right. I'm going to have that. I'm going to have that. Yeah. So Think and Grow Rich, I read To Be a Man by Dr. Robert Augustus Masters, Bell Hooks, The Will to Change, The Alchemist. I mean, I can go on. Alchemist, I read the book every year. Yeah. That is my joint. Okay. Three things that you would tell someone looking to create their best life. Be true to yourself. And that includes believing yourself. Surround yourself with the right people that will support you. And... Use failure as motivation, not as a, an excuse to stop. Love it. Okay. What's next for you? What's next is a couple things. We're developing a TV show. I didn't tell you this. I was going to save this for now. Okay. But we're developing a TV show through that's going to be distributed through Yahoo News, hopefully by Q1 of 2019. That we're actually traveling down to the Black Enterprise Black Men Excel Awards conference this weekend. Absolutely. We're going to cover that tell some stories, do some interviews live. So that's going to be exciting. And then just really just continuing the work, man. Yeah. Oh, those are my people, man. I was actually one of the modern men of distinction last year. There you go. Yeah. So, so we're going to spend a lot of time with those folks. And you should talk to my boy, Frank E. Brady. He's a okay. good, good brother, Donald Comer. Okay. Uh, I'd love those brothers. connection points yeah. if you could. I'd, yeah. I'd be happy to, to connect you with yeah. them. Okay. And how can we keep in contact with you? You can keep in contact on social. I think it's at the lives of men on all social platforms. Mm -hmm. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our email is there. So if you have a specific question, fire off an email, info at the lives of men.com. But I, I think I'm available, man. I, I like to make myself available to people that, that get what we're trying to do, that believe in it and that help support it. Okay. Love it. All right. Well, create your life family. You know where we're at right now. We have reached the point in the interview where Jason is now in charge. This is the turnaround. Oh, man. So the only thing I have to say to Jason right now is, of course, you're in charge, but please be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about it, man. Yeah, let's do it. So I think I, I just want to get to why you decided to take this journey, particularly with the radio show and then some of your public speaking. I've always been a person who has helped others. Right. I've always I don't know, just held that like like you were talking about earlier. I had to grow up a lot quicker than my peers. And my growing up consisted of me going in class, kind of wondering every day if my social workers come in to take me and move me to a different city. And just understanding that my responsibilities, I was in charge of my outlook on life very early on. Like the statistics for foster care children are so low. I mean, are the expectations. And I think that in those expectations, there's also opportunity to become and create the life that you want. Now, there's definitely going to be some challenges in there. Yeah. So early on, I used to help my friends with their homework and things like that. And for me, I had the opportunity to become a speaker at the International Foster Care Conference in Osaka, Japan. And having that opportunity, it was kind of like a full circle moment. And being a former foster kid and now giving our presentation to people from all over the world, telling them this is how you raise successful foster care children. 
And in that, when I was on a plane headed to Japan, I'm like, man, you know what? This is so amazing to have this experience, but other people should be able to see that you can literally do what you want to. Yeah. At this point, I'm like, I've literally created my life. And these were the words that I literally said to my former teacher when I was 16 years old at school in trouble. She asked me what I wanted to do. I told her, I said, I want to create my life. I want to move far away from here and be happy every single day Boom. amongst a couple of other things. And so I started off as a video series showing different aspects of Japan. I went to Japan for 15 days and I didn't speak wow. the language. But my ability to adapt came from my upbringing, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people have, but they just don't tap into it. And so instinctively, I was able to go to like seven, eight different cities. I don't speak the language, go across the country, all this stuff without speaking it. And so I wanted to show what this life looked like. And so I turned it, packaged it and put it up on YouTube. And then I was going to the Bahamas. Let me do it for the Bahamas. Let me do it for the Dominican Republic. Mm -hmm. Let me do it for California. Because a lot of times people from certain communities, we don't leave our communities or we don't understand that it's possible. And so that inspired it. Fast forward three years later after I had started it, I had the opportunity to be on the radio here on someone else's show. And I called up to the station manager and said, hey, you know, are there any opportunities? Because I wanted to do a podcast because I thought that it was so important to study the habits of successful people, but not from a standpoint of, oh, this is what you do and this is why you do it, from a standpoint of, oh, how did you do it mm -hmm. so that therefore I could duplicate right. that. Only thing that you can duplicate is the how. Right. And this is where we are now. Two and a half years later, 134 episodes in, you're mm -hmm. 135. Happy and humble to be able to have somebody like yourself Thank you, brother. I'm come in and speak. You know, like I put the message out and said, hey, who do you guys want on the show? Let me stop getting the people that I want and let me hear from you. And the people, they demanded you. Man, that's humbling, bro. That's humbling. <laughs> so um, follow-up question is, two-part question is, what are you most afraid of and what are you most excited about? I am, I would be afraid of not maximizing my potential or wasting my talent. And opportunities living a life unfulfilled yeah, that, that that's really mine as well yeah that drives me man and it makes me constantly reevaluate what it is that i'm doing and how i'm spending my time because that's the only resource that we can't get back mm -hmm. what am i most excited about i'm excited about the possibilities i feel like everything that you if you're willing to do the work anything that you literally say that you're going to do or you plan out it'll come true if you're willing to make Absolutely. the sacrifices and that's what create your life is about and so in that my goal is to move to Africa Same in December. Here. Yeah. And to spend some time there and really understand and engulf myself in the culture. And at the same time, be able to bring the stories of people there to the Create Your Life family. And just to see this brand grow and to impact people positively and just live fulfilled, man, yeah. and be happy every day. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Just being awesome. happy and getting rid of the old worries and just growing as a person. Yeah. That, I'm geeked up about it. That's awesome, brother. <laughs> yeah. Man, this is hard. So what are the questions? Because I feel like we talked a lot outside of this that I already know, so I don't want to cheat. Man, ask um, what you want, but you got yeah. time. So what do you think? What's <laughs> All right, so then you, you talked about moving to the continent. That's one of the things that I share with you in terms of wanting to connect the diaspora through the work. Okay. What does that look like for you? What are the plans? What's next? And how mm -hmm. do you envision this? these conversations taking place on the continent well where exactly do you know do you know where you want yeah to so i have two different plans going mm -hmm. on so we're working to get some funding mm -hmm. for it right now and what i would like to do is go from senegal to ivory coast to ghana to togo benin then on to nigeria then 
cross, go east, mm -hmm. and then go to Kenya, to Ethiopia, Eritrea, and then go down to SA, but also stop in Zimbabwe, stop in Tanzania, mm -hmm. and really just get the experience uh, being in these places. So that's plan A. Mm -hmm. And then another aspect that I'm looking at now, which most recently came about, was is just going to South Africa uh, for a few months. And so what that looks like is really having conversations both with entrepreneurs and people who are local who mm. may not be entrepreneurs or may not be big entrepreneurs mm. and really talking to them about their experiences and what it takes in order to make it in society where they are. Mm -hmm. And just having that open dialogue, but also going out into the bush and doing the things that the natives do. One of the big things for me is whenever I'm traveling, like a lot of the music that you hear on my show is all music that I've yeah. Shazam while being yeah. abroad. Yeah. Right. But one of the big things for me is, is I always like I'll stay in a hostel or I'll stay with at an Airbnb or something like that and really get on the ground and see what the people in the community are doing and live like a native. Because there's no reason for me to live how I live in New sure. York elsewhere. Otherwise, I might as well have just stayed in New York. Right. So really just engulfing in, in myself, immersing myself in the culture and wanting to learn about life and from a perspective that is not native to myself. Mm. And that just looks like a huge journalistic project, man, of just authenticity and love, in my opinion, yeah. and hard work. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's that's power. You, you, the two words that you used at the end of that were authenticity and love. Tell me what those two words mean to you. Authenticity to me is doing what you would do if nobody else was looking and being in alignment. Like for me, man, I love to create things. And I probably spend 95% of my time working, but it's mm. because I believe in what I'm doing and I like to create it. And if yeah. I say that I'm going to do it, somebody's going to hold me accountable right. or I'll make my goals public so that that can happen. And love, man, is, man, that's a hard word to, yeah. it encompasses so much. For me, it's being happy. It's being surrounded by people who care for you on the same level that you care for them. It's self-care both what you put in your body as well as how you think that inner dialogue and love, it starts inside. Mm -hmm. And I think that as you talked about earlier, man, some things about toxic masculinity and then also just being aware of what traumas you have, you have to learn how to love yourself properly before you can properly love others. And as you've been saying this entire interview, that is doing the work. Yeah, man, man that is doing the work. And love is my favorite word. And, yeah. And it's, Tell us uh, about it. I mean, it's a verb. Right. Mm -hmm. It's something that you do. It's a choice that you make every day. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people think that love is just this magical, ethereal thing that kind of just falls and imbues you right like out of the blue. And it's something that you it's not it's actually the opposite. You got to work at it. You got to nurture it. You got to love it. You got to love love. If that even makes sense, you have to really take the time to cultivate it and make sure that you do it on a daily basis. There are going to be times when you don't want to do the thing, write these questions down or mm -hmm. give your partner a hug when he or she is being difficult, whatever. But you got to choose to do those things. And that's what makes love so worthwhile. And I think the other thing is, is that love is also selfless in oh, what you just yeah, said. Yeah. In that statement alone is understanding that it's bigger than me. And I have a trait just being 100% transparent, I have a trait where you can get cut off. Oh, yeah, yeah. But understanding that sometimes someone knows just may not have evolved to the place that you're at. Yeah. And then, though you might do it, fight, kicking and screaming, going and helping that person or being vulnerable and even saying, yeah, you know what? That was my mistake or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In order for the betterment of this other person, to me, that embodies 
That's a, a huge part of, yeah. of love. Yeah. Being able to give and increase love in instances where it doesn't seem like it requires it. Or that is even existent. Right. Yeah. That's hard. That is that is deep. That is a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. You have this calmness about you and this presence, man. I, I can appreciate. Thank you, brother. I'm loving this talk around masculinity uh, because I personally had to understand some things around masculinity and what it means to be a man. I remember I have a nephew. He's older. He's like 17 now. Well, he'll be 17 this year. And I remember like his go-to emotion was crying. And there was a point in time where I didn't think that that was like the most achievable thing to mm -hmm. do. And my foster mom had died. Crying is not my go-to emotion. And I was fine the entire way through. I was good. And the night after the funeral, after the repass and everything, I cried. And I cried. I hadn't cried like that since I was a boy. And I hadn't really cried since I was a boy. And post that crying or that, that expression mm -hmm. of emotion, I felt so light. Yeah. I mean, I cried to where I had the runny nose yeah. and the headache. And I just hadn't, I had all of these emotions. So it was the crying of her death, but it was everything else. years mm -hmm. of expression and emotion. And in that moment afterwards, you know, analyzing that, it really helped me understand that there's nothing wrong with crying, but I do take issue if someone cries and does not take action. I'm about action, mm -hmm. but however, being able to express yourself, no matter what that is for you, that is important Yeah, because you have this stuff pent up in you and it is it can literally manifest in other ways Absolutely. that affect your health and affect your aura and who you are. And so I think, I don't know, I'm excited to continue doing the work and you've definitely inspired me to even Thank become you, more proactive. So I really, really appreciate well, and you. And I'm here, man. I'm here. I think outside of the work as it is publicly, we got to make ourselves available to one another, brother. So I'm here. You got my contact info and you're stuck with me for better or worse. So. I'm here to help. Same, man. Jay, I appreciate you being on the show, Yo, man. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's a pleasure. Good. So Create Your Life family, it has been an amazing experience out here with Jason. And, you know, as usual, we will see you back next time. Peace. Peace. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week.